0: Cast where we look at each other as if to confirm how the other one is feeling. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. Hi. (laughs)
1: Hey, how you feeling today, buddy? You know that does give the false impression that we're like skyping or something. We are not looking at each other, (laughs) and I don't know how you're feeling.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't clearly don't know because I was asking how you felt. Oh yeah. Um. Well, I am. I will tell you this. I am excited to cover week one of the fall season, covering all sports anime from October the first to October the seventh.
1: Yeah. Beginning of a new season, fresh start, some new anime. Although we're waiting on a couple more to begin.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we've only got one new one this week, and that's Two Car. And hey, we'll get, we'll into, get into that. Into a, yeah, <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So we uh, like like we mentioned last week, we sort of put off. Uh, Doing Welcome to the Ballroom so that we could do the preview episode, so this week we're going to do episodes 13 and 14, right? Um, as well as finishing up the first season of Big Windup with episodes 25 and 26, and we were kind of debating, since this is a, a little bit of a catch-up episode, but we decided we were going to include the uh, first episode of 2 Car, because it did premiere yesterday. And, you know, we're going to have to talk about it eventually, so we might as well get started.
0: Yeah, no point putting it off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I have a question for you, Matt.
0: Oh, okay, well, let's have it.
1: Alright, so this question comes from Matt Ely, and he is me, and, (laughs) uh, and if you want to hear questions from someone other than us, you can email us at coachingcast at gmail dot com, or we can just keep doing this, it's cool. Um... Matt, I feel like our questions, even the ones that we've been asking each other, have been too focused on, like, anime or sports or sports anime.
0: Well, it is the theme of our podcast.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and
0: I feel like
1: I want to I wanna get to know you on a deeper level. So Okay. So I'm going to ask a, a really important question. I, I, I hope you have a well-thought-out answer to it. Um, well,
0: I'm just hearing it now, so clearly I will. Right.
1: <laughs> uh, Matt, what's your yep. favorite flavor?
0: Oh, uh, so when you say flavor, do you mean like flavoring or like, like like I guess, for example, like in like candy flavoring? Yeah, it, does, or... it
1: doesn't have to be like an artificial flavor, but like a flavor that could potentially apply to multiple foods. So this isn't like any one food, but like a okay. flavor that you can identify across multiple foods.
0: Um, well...
1: And you can define that however you want.
0: Uh, so, my easy answer would be for, like, candy flavoring, uh, in which I would probably say, uh, I, I have a, kind of torn between lemon and orange. Mm. Uh, those are probably my two favorites. Uh, I guess I just really like citrus, because when I think about it as well, it's like, I also like lime-flavored stuff, so yeah, pretty much anything citrus would be my probable go-to. Uh just for like condiments, I would say I would go peanut butter. Oh, wow. Dude, I love peanut butter. I throw peanut butter on generally everything. The only way I can even choke down a lot of vegetables if I is if I just drench them in veg, in like peanut butter. Well,
1: I'm sure that doesn't cancel
0: out anything. So. <laughs> well, no. It, I <laughs> I'd like to think that it doesn't. Eh, I don't know that for certain, but Yeah. Uh but yeah, no. I throw peanut butter on. I mean, I throw peanut butter all the time on, like my, on, like ice cream. Uh-huh. I do. I put it You're one on. Of those. Yeah, uh, I had a friend who showed me the uh, the peanut butter and bologna sandwich, which I was fond of for a brief period of time. I could still probably eat those today, but I choose not to. Yeah, fair
1: enough. Um, so, what about you? Yeah. Well, first off, I want to say, guess what flavor I cannot abide.
0: Well, I know you hate chocolate.
1: Chocolate's up there. Chocolate's probably number one. Chocolate is number one. It's my least favorite. But peanut butter is probably in the top three.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah,
1: no. I can't stand peanut butter. I think it's disgusting. I I avoid it at all costs.
0: Well, I, you know, that is interesting because I... <sighs> I think that's a real difference between the two of us because you've, you know, I've always really liked processed foods, I would say. Like, I eat so much garbage. (laughs) I'm trying to get better at it. But, you know, you've always been a little bit more naturalistic in your foods, I would say.
1: Well, I mean, like, a lot of the credit for that isn't mine. It's just sort of, like, circumstantial, you know. But, like, also, it was just the fact that I've hated candy since I was three. Right. (laughs) Like, like, I (laughs) mean... Uh, so, in terms of candy flavor, like, I, as a kid, I chose, I, I I said I didn't want to go trick-or-treating, not because I thought it was scary or anything, it was because I didn't want people to give me candy.
0: (laughs) I remember that, like, you always seem to enjoy, you kind of like the costume aspect of it, just a little bit, I remember, but, yeah, you were never big on, uh, You were never really big on, like, the candy portion of it. Well, yeah, because I
1: would just have to get rid of it all. And that's the thing. When we did Halloween stuff at school... Everyone wanted to hang out with me for one day because they knew I would give away everything, um, <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't like the pressure and the sense of like the artificiality of those relationships. So
0: <laughs> that's fair. I, you know, it's funny too that you managed to uh, take in that much as a child. As I well. think I'm
1: probably reading into it a little bit as an adult, but I just knew I didn't. I didn't like uh, the existence of candy. Um, yeah, as far as flavors themselves kind of like you described i think i'd go with citrus flavor generally if if i although i I think if i had to pick one i'd say strawberry because you know when it comes to ice cream it's like oh what what am i going to get it's strawberry and i have to be convinced to get anything else sort of like (laughs) everything else is an alternative to strawberry
0: so it's funny because, like, in terms of just like pure fruit flavorings, I would actually put strawberry pretty close down to like the bottom Ooh, for me. Wow! Like, I don't like strawberry pretty much at all. Um, so yeah. Two polar opposites in this regard.
1: Yeah, we're just I don't know how we get along. Um that was probably like more of an answer than <laughs> I expected than really or wanted. anyone wanted, but <laughs> Oh well.
0: Well, we'll leave a timestamp so people can skip this long question.
1: Hey, that's cool. Um but I do appreciate it. I, I didn't I didn't know those things about you, so it's good to know. Fair enough. All right, do you want to tell me about Welcome to the Ballroom?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, so we're going to start with episode 13. So this is actually like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. as we kind of mentioned before. Uh, so kind of, you know, a little bit later. Anyway, so this episode was about uh, Tadara's classmate that he ran into at the competition, uh, Chinatsu, Chinatsu Hiyama. Uh, as it turns out, she has been, she's a, she doesn't really like to dance for unknown reasons, but she is a huge fan fangir- fangirl of the sengoku Hongo partnership. Uh, and throughout the episode, we see her kind of struggling to get to, like, dance with Fujita or Tatara a little bit. Uh, she kind of she, But eventually, she sort of relinquishes. She doesn't even... Like, without even realizing that Hongo uh, is there, as we discover. Uh, she's the one that Chinatsu is really a big fan of. They try dancing for just a little bit. How uh, Tatara cannot seem to be a proper lead for her. Uh, they end up uh, switching positions, and they end up doing a lot better just during practice. And that's kind of where the episode ends with uh, Tatara realizing that Chinatsu, like, that he has not been a very good lead for pretty much the entirety of his dancing career. Yeah. Um. So, overall, I generally enjoyed this episode. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it was better than the average episode from the first part. Yeah, from, like, the first half, basically. Like, yeah. I, I, Chinatsu, the introduction of Chinatsu has been kind of welcome, because it's kind of nice to see somebody... Because, like, you watch this entire like this entire series, everybody has kind of baby Totora a little bit. Like, nobody has real... It's kind of like he was almost sort of a cute novelty, but, you know, he had his thing with Mako that kind of went a couple... Like... I, I still maintain that they made a better coupling yeah. than uh, Gaju, Gaju and Mako, but sure. it, there was still kind of this element of, like, Mako was clearly the more experienced one, and, you know, like, food like Tatara was still kind of... You know, everything was getting explained to him, and here it's kind of nice to have somebody who's not, like... She's not really quite bullying Tatara. She is a little bit, but it, it feels a lot more... They have a lot more chemistry, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, it feels like she's more of a person to so yeah, just to to be a little blunt about it, even though you don't really understand where she's coming from or what hangups she has with ballroom dancing. Mako just there was no point at which she wasn't positive and like upbeat and willing to work hard right and you know she just didn't didn't feel like a junior high girl um I don't know a a lot of the characters seem so abstract in terms of what their motivations are or why they're dancing or you know it's nice to have someone who has hang-ups and is a little bit complicated I mean we'll see where it goes but Right. Well, because
0: there was one scene I really appreciated in this, and it was like when Tata was asking her to practice, and she was like, and, you know, she kind of storms off initially, and she just sort of has this pause after she walks away, and she's like, What are you doing? Like, clearly you want to do this. It's like, you clearly want to do this. Just go with him one time. And it's like, I, I kind of like that. Like, I, I like that, you know, that feels rather, like, that feels like such a real moment. Like, you kind of get, like, heated in that moment. And then you kind of walk away and you reflect on it. It's like, okay, you clearly want to do this. Like, just, just say yes to him. And maybe you can kind of see where it goes from there. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Chinatsu has been a very welcome addition. Uh I'm kind of, I'm kind of conflicted on the sort of, uh, not really like, well, yeah, a little bit. The the sort of forcing of Hongo into, like, this main cast all of a sudden. Yeah, it's
1: kind of funny that she just starts showing up every day and no one acknowledges that she's never been there that we've seen before.
0: Yeah, like, it's like, like, why is she just suddenly here? Like, she's supposed to be Sengoku's partner, which, you know, I understand, but... Why wasn't she there before? I was also kind of confused because I always thought uh, Tamaki was supposed to be Sengoku's partner. Yeah, and then, I d-
1: they never actually said that, but, yeah,
0: I guess we just sort of assumed that, yeah. but, uh, like, so it is a little weird that all of a sudden she's just there now, and we don't really have much of an explanation as to why she wasn't hanging out there before. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I do kind of like her interactions with chinatsu that's at least kind of fun like i kind of like the fact that she's sort of she is kind of a like a girl version of sengoku almost because she seems to really relish the fact that chinatsu almost worships her you know she like chinatsu's like can i please hug you and rather than sort of like oh this girl's a creep she's like ha come to me my other, ch- my child mother wants to embrace you yeah like, that's that's not know, a
1: quote, but yeah, that's right, right. But
0: I mean, that's kind of her attitude in the situation. It's kind of like somebody likes me, Sengoku, Goku. You see, I can draw the part. I can draw attention too. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of nice to see. Uh, I have one concern about this episode. Okay. Uh, I actually like the idea that uh, Tatara and Shinatsu would actually like. They could actually form a partnership but kind of reverse the positions where Tatara is actually the one who follows and yeah. Shinatsu actually the one who leads. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I like that dynamic. I thought, I think it would make kind of an interesting twist for their team, for like, you know, the pair up. They're not going to go through with yeah, it. Yeah,
1: there's no way. It it will last precisely one episode. Um, right.
0: We We might see it go through the next episode, but it's not going to stick. Yeah,
1: and for the record, we haven't watched the next episode yet, so we don't know. Um, But we, yeah, I I, I feel the same way, because at the end, you know, he was describing, oh, what does it mean to lead? Oh, it's like you have this dynamic force where you totally dominate and control your partner. And I'm kind of like, hmm, I don't know. Sounds a little weird. You know, there's (laughs) something about like, oh, I have to totally dominate someone in order to lead them. It's like, hmm. Do you do you have to, to do you have to
0: totally dom? You know, well, my reaction is kind of the opposite. I think it would. It's like I actually don't mind that, but I think I would prefer to see it where you know, maybe Totoro is like, okay, I actually don't really mind being dominated, but I know that it can't be like that because the entire series started because he wanted to be like Sengoku. Goku, right? Uh, but, yeah, and there is kind of that aspect as well, where it's like, oh, I must ha- I have to play, I have to be the dominant force in this relationship. Yeah. It's like, uh I don't know, like, you did pretty well with Mako there, uh.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it also doesn't acknowledge that there's more than one way to have a partnership.
0: Right. Um, like, and, I don't know. It, that is kind of an issue with the series, is that it does seem like it's, like forcing this idea that you can only ballroom dance in a certain way like there's only one way that it can work yeah and I don't know I kind of like the idea of like different dynamics you know I kind of like the idea that Tadara and Shinatsu kind of have this weird like this sort of they kind of have this weird like not entirely traditional like dynamic between the two well
1: of that them. that's the thing is the show I don't think is interested or capable of doing that because we don't understand what makes someone good or bad at dancing. Like, right. oh, what's, you know, what's Gaju and Mako's dynamic? Oh, well, like, they're really good. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, like, uh, Hyodo and Shizuku's dynamic is like, they're just like really good at everything. So, but like on a whole other level. You know, that, that's right. as much depth as it gives to style and uniqueness. So with that, you know, nobody's going to go outside of expectations. Because the show's not interested in that.
0: You're not wrong. Um, just one final thing I want to bring up about this. Uh, this actually is not related to the episode itself. It was something I noticed in the opening. Uh, so I just noticed that they uh, during the opening, they have Tadara and Chinatsu. And for some reason, they are dancing in the middle of a storm. And I'm just sitting there like, this isn't an actual method of practicing ballroom dance,
1: is it? Oh, well, yeah, so I'm torn. It's either going to be a metaphor. Right. Or hopefully it's going to happen and they're going to be like, you need to train where there's, you know, every distraction <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you're not, if you're not able to dance under a waterfall, what's the point, you know?
0: Right. Like, that's kind of what I was thinking when I was watching this. is like, I'm just thinking of like all these other sports series, you know, where you kind of have the scene where like the boy, like all of them are just out playing in the rain and just the sort of like raw intense, like uh-huh. moment, like, like the sort of, and it's like here you have them dancing in that That's not a practical, like, that's not practical. Like nobody would ever dance in that condition. Yeah. So, I don't know.
1: Uh, well, uh, what I do know is that we need to take a break and go watch episode 14 of Welcome to the Ballroom.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so episode 14, uh, Tatar takes on a part-time job to pay for his lessons at the dance studio. He also finds out that Chinatsu was actually, like, as... She was in, like, the sort of all-girls league, so her original partner was a girl, which is why she has so much experience as a lead. Uh, Chinatsu is, be- has become very indecisive about whether or not she wants to pursue dance, as we see, like, an in interaction with her mother. Uh, it ends up... Uh, she ends up making a delivery to this cafe, and wouldn't you know it, uh, Totoro is actually working at that cafe, and the owner's daughter was Chinatsu's former partner. So then we time skip back to, uh, to their first competition because Shinatsu has agreed to become Tatara's partner so she can kind of one up uh, Akira the uh, her former partner. and while they're there we meet we see that Akira's uh, entered a competition as well in like the B class tournament uh, with her partner Mine, whereas there, uh, Tatara and Chinatsu are working together for, like, a D-class. Uh, at first, Chinatsu is sort of insistent on taking the lead. Uh, towards the end, Tadara has sort of resigned himself and tries to work with Chinatsu's kind of erratic dancing, but they end up losing the competition anyway.
1: Well, yeah, it's not totally clear whether they've lost, because, like Chinatsu like said at the beginning, they only need to get second place in order right. to move up from novice class to D-class. Um, right.
0: It's only made clear that they didn't get first place. Right, because uh, they didn't get the honors waltz dance to sort of signify the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so this episode was a real letdown for me. Like, I, I know it feels odd to say that for the series. Yeah, it's let us down before. Yeah, I know. And it's like, you think that after all the times it let us down, it couldn't do that again? I don't know. This whole show... Like, I think my problem is I really want it to be good because of the subject material. It clearly doesn't know the subject material, though. And I think that's really what gets me about it. You mean dancing specifically? Yeah, dancing specifically. Or, like, ballroom dancing specifically. Like, not only does, like, the series not get how it works, it just seems so uninterested in portraying it, like, in any sort of... Like, it doesn't seem to trust the sport itself to be interesting. Like, we've kind of touched on this before, about how they, u- how they refuse to actually use the mu- music in the moment of the dance. Yeah. Like, the music that they'd actually be dancing to. And it's like, they always replace it with just, like, this sort of stock music that you know that they've written. Because, you know, it's like, they want to really pump you up with this. But it clearly doesn't fit up to what they're doing because all they can really do is, you know, you can only angle these bodies so many times before you're like, okay, we get it. Yeah. um It was, al- that- it was also
1: a little weird. They have this back and forth where Tadaro really resents the fact that he's not leading in his couple. And so he gets, he gets frustrated with Chinatsu because she's kind of doing her own thing and not following his lead so on the final dance he just without telling her and without communicating anything he refuses to start dancing and he just waits for her to make a move so that he can let her do whatever she wants he's like fine i'll just adapt to you if you're not gonna let me lead and i'm not sure if that's progressive of saying like oh we're gonna have a partnership where no one person leads or follows, or if it's him just being a jerk and saying, like, well, if you're not gonna, like, do things my way, then I'm not gonna help you.
0: Yeah, and I don't... I think the problem with this is that it's clear that they don't want you to, like... Like, think that this is, like, a good idea, effectively. Exactly.
1: I mean, because, so, at the end of the episode, they have Marisa, who's Kyoto's mom, come back and uh, basically accused Tatara of relying on his partners to do all the work for him. So, clearly it's saying, okay, this situation is not going to last. Even though, like we said for episode 13, there's a possibility of them redefining what normal looks like and being able to grow based on having a unique style. Uh, and the show is telling you, no, that's bad. Why would, why would a girl lead that's weird? Stop it.
0: Yeah, kind of. And, like it's not interesting to see this. You know, I'm kind of more interested in this weird style that they have than actually, I don't really care that if Tatara like, takes the lead. Like, that's not an interesting development to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I would kind of prefer it if he sort of stayed, you know, he kind of found some sort of solace in who he was and in their dancing style. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just like, no, Totoro, you need to man up, you know, you need to be like, you know, you gotta be in control of all of these situations, because, you know, a man takes their fate, you know, kind of steps into their own destiny, I don't know, like, it's it, just... Yeah, it, it, was, it was silly, it was also silly that
1: uh, Chinatze's former partner, Aki, um, yeah, is now magically moved up to B-class, so she's, you know, one of the more advanced couples in the country um, and that her partner has a giant scar down his face because he's
0: evil, (laughs) which I don't know. I'm actually kind of amused by that. Like I'm kind of, I'm actually, I like
1: it, but
0: like, I'm kind of way more interested in finding out about this, I'm assuming like Yakuza dancer. Yeah, sure. Um, or like, or how they're gonna trust justify? It's like, oh no, he's not Yakuza. He's just had an accident, and it's like it's clear that he's supposed to be some sort of violent criminal. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just. I, I'm also just really let down by the fact that Tatara is just so happens to be working in the cafe
1: where where, yeah, where, where exactly where Chunatsu's partner just so happens to work and she just so happens
0: to make a delivery like just the level of like you can kind of play off like you occasionally can play off a coincidence like one coincidence
1: yeah that was everything it was also the coincidence of the conversation because immediately after um tatara found out that aki was a dancer she was like yes and i'm trying to find a new partner and it's hard and then right after she does that chinatsu walks in and she's like there she is my former partner you know like as if and there's no reason to believe that that was coordinated it's just like oh what a what excellent timing we were just talking about you it's like yeah, why like, why do it that way
0: it's like this is this is a show that seems so determined to take the least interesting path possible. Like, it keeps setting up kind of interesting ideas, or, you know, sort of interesting plot threads that it could go in, but it always resolves them in just the most blasé, least dynamic means possible. Like, mm-hmm. it it doesn't really seem to care whether or not we're really that enraptured. It keeps thinking like like it feels like the series thinks that the only thing that can really draw you in is the sort of, like, look at this crazy angle that they're at now. Look how flashy this is. And it's like, okay, guys, we've we've seen this. And I'm, yeah. I, you know, I kind of... This series feels very claustrophobic almost. Like, I feel uncomfortable watching it. Just because because we get so many just close-ups of, like, people's faces reacting to things. yeah, And it's like, just pull it back a little bit. Pull like, it back have, and
1: show a full dance like yeah. that's the thing this show will never let them do an entire dance sequence without being interrupted or having a flashback or having a slow pause or a slow pan over people reacting to it but that's that's all people want you make a show about dancing and people want to see dancing and they're like oh no no, no. You, you don't want to see dancing you want to see people observing dancing and then thinking about it and having memories related to it off screen you know? Right,
0: which, I mean, I guess it's, that's kind of how a lot of sports series work. But I, I think the problem with, Dan- like... Okay, so I'm going to make another comparison to, like, I, like All Out, for example. Because that is kind of the same structure you get in, like, a, like a battle sh- uh, shown in, like, All Out. Yeah. Where, you know, they, characters make a single action, somebody reacts to it and kind of thinks back on it. The difference is that the movements in rugby feel a lot more... Dynamic, You know, you can have characters in different poses, believably. Or, you know, there's different strategies you can, you know, have in rugby. Or just, like, different abilities. In Welcome to the Ballroom, it's always just like, Ah, now we're gonna strike this pose! And, again, like, they do have different poses, but you don't really have any context for what makes it any different. Mm-hmm. Like, from another type of pose. So, it just it just sort of falls flat all the time. Yeah. Yep,
1: it falls flat all the time. Boy, if that isn't a good uh, summary of this show so far, I don't know what <laughs> Anyway, Matt, uh, do you want to move on to our new show, Two Car? Uh, I guess... <laughs>
0: Alright, so now that we're done with Welcome to the Ballroom, I would like to move on to Two Car. Would you like to, though? No, I would not, <laughs> but I'm going to anyway. So, episode one begins in uh, at the very beginning of a sidecar motorcycle race, uh, referred to as Nealer Racing. We get an introduction to all the different girls in this race, uh, and then from there on, uh, the entire episode is kind of split back and forth between uh, this entire race and... And then the uh, and then a setup for our main characters uh, Yuri and Megumi. They uh, Yuri is the driver and Megumi is the passenger. Uh, they apparently had this coach who inspired them to uh, to greater heights in their uh, motorcycle racing. And then he decides to leave one day because watching them inspired him to get back into the game. So he moves back to England, and the girls want to get a lot better, and they want to prove to their coach how much they learned from him. So during, so we kind of, that kind of is interjected between the race. Uh, During the race, they fall really far behind, uh, and then they sort of, at the very end, like, they are ten seconds behind, like, the number one spot. When they finally make it, they finally manage to catch up towards the very end because they manage to work together. Uh, and they just barely eke out a win, and the episode ends with the two girls punching each other.
1: Yeah, they punch each other in the face and fall down on the ground.
0: So, Matt, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, what was this? Yeah,
1: I don't, I'm not really sure. Oh, I, I like I know I... it was a lot of information. Um, yeah. It felt like they were trying to spit way more because they like you said maybe the most surreal part of it was the first few minutes where they introduced like seven teams of these girls who are clearly going to be coming up a lot in the show and are relevant and so they introduced all these teams and each team had this little side moment and you're like i don't know there was something about it that felt like we'd missed the first episode
0: I think that was kind of the intent. Like, I think this sort of, like, like, in my head, I can kind of see what they were going for. Because they want to show, like, where the girls are now. And then, you know, you kind of want to go back and look and see, you know, where they came from. And then at the end of the episode, you could have come back to this moment and seen how they sort, like, you could maybe, like, come in at the very end of the race. Like, you know, it's kind of doing this whole, like, oh, you know, these girls have actually been on this grand adventure. Like, how did they actually get here? But, you, kind, you know, you kind of want to get... You want to bring in the audience's interest at first. Like, oh, well, you know, we have this whole race coming up. Ooh, like, what's going to happen with these girls? Uh, but the problem is, like, this introduction went on for, like, five minutes because they wanted you to know, like, who every single one of these girls are. And it's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to remember any of them... Like, come the next couple of episodes.
1: Well, exactly. And because they had so little time for each one, they could only introduce them with some kind of stereotype or cliche. right? Um, And uh, these announcers seem to know way more than they should about these people. Like, (laughs) I mean, they introduced one team as, like, the sadist and the masochist. Right. uh, Where, and then you see the driver being a jerk to the passenger and they're like oh you know them they sure do have an abusive relationship um i i don't know it was uh it
0: was odd like i, I get th- because it's like and here's the real here's the biggest biggest issue i have with this show like from this first episode i don't have any idea like i don't have any sense of what the two main characters are like All I gathered was that they don't like each other.
1: But also they do. And they've been friends since they were children, and they have everything in common, but they are rivals? Or
0: something? Like, that's what I don't get. Like, they really should have spent this first episode just building up the girls, essentially. Like, they really just need to build up this team you know, how this partnership works out. Like, I don't even mind the fact that they have this sort of faceless coach that they never actually show.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we should take a moment there. Why is it that... Well, yeah, so why is it... So they have this adult coach, who we assume is a teacher at the school, but we don't actually know, um, who is shown only in flashbacks where he would ride with these girls... And every time he was on screen, they would, like, cut under his face so that you could never see what he looked like. So, preserve some mystery or something. Um, And he would go and he would, uh, when he was with Yuri, he would be the passenger. And so, he's, like, leaning all over her in order to shift the weight just perfectly. And she's just like, oh, he knows me so well. He's such a good passenger. And then he drives Megumi... And he's like, she's like, oh, he's compensating for my mistakes. He knows my style so well. And they have a scene where both girls, like, write him notes and ask to meet him outside. And the implication is that they're meeting there to, like, confess to him. Yeah. And they're, you know...
0: 16 or 17 and (laughs) yeah so I think I can see the direction you're going with this so I think the reason that they don't show the guy's face is because they want the viewer to kind of self insert themselves into him like oh was that not what you were going for uh
1: mm, I, I think that that connects partly my guess was just that like Somewhere along the line, they decided that they were making this show for people
0: who never want to see a man in it. Right, right. Like, and that's fair too. Like, because you'll notice like in shows like Minami Kamakura, there are no boys in that show.
1: Yeah, they, do, like, like, they might show up in the background, but basically there are no men in the world. Yeah,
0: there are basically no men. And, you know, whatever, that's fine. I don't care, but it's clear that the reason why... They don't want boys in these shows is because they don't, because they want this whole like looking in on the girl's world sort of thing. Yeah. Like it, and when you don't show the guy's head, it kind of, oh, and the fact that these girls are so into this guy without ever actually showing him, it kind of adds this element of like, you're this guy, mm-hmm. like, you can be this guy. So just imagine yourself in this position. And that's what's a little creepy about it. Um, Yeah. As for... Yeah. The only thing I can think of as to why they chose to interject this stuff, like, have this incredibly bizarre, like, back and forth between, like, the present and the past. I kind of got the sense they were trying to add more depth than what was actually there. Yeah. It, because like cutting it like that gives it this illusion that it's the sort like it's like no, no, it's not the it's not this creepy pandering piece. No, there's like this sort of interplay, like we get to watch the girls like it see where they learn these abilities that help them get through this like horrible ordeal, you know, they get to reflect on their past. But like what like the cuts happen almost randomly between the present and the past. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no real connection between any of the scenes. Yeah. Like for when they decide to do it, it's just suddenly like, oh, we're looking back at the past now. We're gonna, we're looking back at like them reminiscing about when that time their coach showed them how to ride even better. They're looking back on that time when they first met their coach.
1: And like, it's, stuff- I think, I think the strangest thing for me is they just punched each other at the end. <laughs> like they just punched each other in the face, and then the reaction of all the other characters was basically like, oh, well, you know them. Uh, that's just how they... I'm like, is that how they are? Like, th- I've seen no evidence of that right. being how they are. They had a sp- scene where they specifically proved to these characters that they were very similar and were friends. Um, right. But they're angry because of...
0: Coach? I don't know. <laughs> like, uh... I guess what they're trying to do, what they're trying to show is, like, yes, they can get together when, you know, when it really counts. But when it's over, you know, they, at their very core, they still don't seem to like each other very much. Except that goes against what they were saying in the first place, because they're saying at their core, they actually do like each other. So.
1: Yeah, the show can't make up its mind. Um, can I also (laughs) bring up one thing that threw me was when, uh, was that, like, the announcers, which are also high school girls, for some for some reason, uh, I th- like I got them confused with the main character <laughs> um, because one of the announcers was it Nene, uh, right. Looks almost exactly like Yuri. It's just that oh. she has a ponytail instead of having her hair down, and they also right. have like the similar personality and way of expressing themselves. And so, like, I got confused because you have the upbeat, lighter-haired girl and the sort of quieter, analytical girl with black hair. and But that's the exact same dynamic as the main characters, and they go to the same school. So I'm like, why make the same set of characters twice?
0: Yeah, I think not only that, but on their main team, we also have... We have two completely other characters there, uh, Sugumi and Hibari. I don't even know what role they play.
1: Yeah, they're on the team. Somehow, Sugumi is like their senpai, but she doesn't actually do
0: anything except comment Riley, you know? Right, like she, I get, like she, like both her and Hibari have like cameras, like Sugumi had like a video camera. So I guess they're there to do some analysis, I guess.
1: But uh, yeah, we have no way of knowing. So yeah, I, I, I don't understand why the show didn't start small and then introduce people instead of introducing every character you'll ever meet. And right. then just throwing them in and having them react and saying like, oh, well, you know, Kanae Kawamoto, that's how she would react to this. And you're like, no, I don't know her. I don't know why she would react like that. That's weird and a non sequitur. <laughs>
0: Like, the only thing I can think of is the reason why they did this. They know that they don't have anything for the show.
1: (laughs) They're just hoping that, like, if they throw enough stereotypical girls of different types at you, you'll stick around to, like, wait for the goth Lolita episode.
0: Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. They're they're throwing everything at the wall right now because they know they have crap to go on. (laughs) And so what they're going to do is... They want to get the, mer- the merchandising started now. Yeah. Strike while it's still hot and you're still curious. And you see, like, oh, I like that girl. I think I'm going to buy, like, my keychain of her and just have that dangling with all my other, like, keychains. I don't know. I, I don't actually profess to know what people actually do with them. Right. Really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think that's what they're going for here. They're just, they're, they're taking the shotgun approach.
1: Yeah. That's not, a, far- that's not a bad theory. Yeah. Um. <laughs> We'll see if they get a little smaller or if they just keep going with chaos and unknowability next time. I I
0: almost want them to do chaos. Oh, yeah. I want to
1: see chaos. I want to see a show that maintains this level of direction the whole way.
0: Yeah, just like complete and utter confusion for what anything in this series is actually about. Because they're trying to hide the fact that this is... Because when it comes right down to it, it's not an interesting story. Oh, no. Like, it's literally just the girls had a coach... The coach inspired them to race. That's it. Yeah, like it inspired them. Like he inspired them to greater heights, and apparently, watching them race inspired him
1: to move to England.
0: To move to England and keep racing. Yeah. So I, I don't know.
1: The, la- the last uh, thing, the last thing I want to say about the show, and we do need to move on, is that like, how funny is it that their little island is the mecca of kneeler racing in Japan because they have no speed limits. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the reason I'm like, well, why don't they have speed limits?
0: <laughs> well, why is that a thing? Yeah, like, like, why would
1: you have an island with no speed limits? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that would happen, but, but are we not going to acknowledge, like, what happens when you have an entire island with no speed limits and everyone, well, I don't know.
0: Th- not only that, but you also have to wonder, like, why does that actually make a difference? Because you're not going to have any sort of speed limit. Like on the ra- on a racetrack anyway.
1: Yeah, it's just so you can practice,
0: this but that, like but that's, anywhere.
1: But at the same time, all the other teams were from off the island, so only the main characters actually live on the island.
0: Right. Like, and I guess I understand why that makes them sort of the favorites because they're the only ones who know the race course. So but, unless they're going around to different
1: race courses, but they weren't the favorites because they started in last.
0: Well, I thought, be, I thought they were the favorite. I thought that's why they started them in last. It's,
1: well, no. I don't no, know. Because, you like, I mean, I assume it's, like, with pole position, right? I don't know how they determine that, but usually the highest ranked person starts first. In, okay. Like, in NASCAR or IndyCar racing.
0: Okay, I guess that's fair. I guess I was, I'm sorry, I guess I was just thinking of Mario Kart, so...
1: Um...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but in Mario
1: Kart, if you win the race, you start first, too.
0: Yeah, I know. I was just thinking about how you start in Mario Kart. You know what? It doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about something else. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Big windup. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay, Big Wind Up episode 25. So this is sort of the denouement of the game against Tosei. Um, it starts off with uh, Mahashi, who is home sick from the sports fest, which happened to be the, the next day at school. A bunch of the guys decide that they want to go over and see Mahashi during the lunch period because he lives nearby, and he said he was having curry and Tajima was hungry. Um, so they head over to go visit him for a while. Um, Mahashi, meanwhile, is kind of intimidated by the fact that Abe came over, because he's still feeling guilty about getting yelled at by Abe, and he feels like he almost cost the team the game. Um, they end up having, uh, some conversations about Abe realizing that he yells at Mahashi too much, and that, you know, he doesn't really have as good of a relationship with Mahashi as the rest of the team does. Um, and by the end... Uh, the the team sort of comes around and affirms how much Mihashi helped them win and that they couldn't have done it without him, and they give him some notes from the rest of the team uh, to validate,
0: like, how important he is to them. Right. Um, so, I guess my big takeaway from this episode... Uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting, or uh, honestly a little bit funny as well. Like, they won the game, and all Mihashi can think about is I gave up four runs
1: well right yeah I mean it's that he he's convinced that he is still selfish and unwilling to be a team player and just obsessed with being a pitcher and that like there's something wrong with him and that he hurt the team by being himself Right. what I like about it is that oh okay like destructive thoughts don't just go away You know? Right. uh, He is still unwilling to believe that he is a valuable valuable member of the team. Um, Right. And that didn't just disappear because they won a game.
0: Right. It also kind of highlights just how strange of a personality Mihashi actually has. Like, you know, even in that, like, I can have some kind of negative thoughts about myself at some times, but even then, it's like... You are really putting the carriage before the horse here, Mihashi. Like you're not even like it's almost as if though the fact that they went up against the strongest team in the or like the most light, like they went up against like the best team in the district or like in the entire tournament and they won. Yeah. And it's like he can't even process that. Like the only thing he can think of, the only thing he can obsess on is the fa- is just like this one minor conflict he had with Abe.
1: Well the, but that's the thing is what 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 was interesting to me was that he's clearly built up Abe to the place where he respects him so much that getting yelled at by Abe or getting critiqued by Abe is something that really scares him. Um, so more, more than anything, he wants to prove himself to Abe and he doesn't want to let him down. And so the fact that he did, that's, that's the thing that's throwing him off. So to him, you know, having Abe mad at him is almost as bad as losing. He's used to losing, but he really just doesn't want, you know, his, his partner to hate him.
0: Right. And I think this episode did a pretty great job of also showcasing, uh, like, how that has sort of affected his relationship with the rest of the team as well because it's like, he has no problems getting around, getting along with, like, Tajima and his other classmate, like like, yeah, I mean, he's he's totally fine with, like, hanging out with them and stuff like that, but, you know, once Abe shows but, like, Abe is almost, like deified to him, like Abe is just some, he's, like, almost like an like a parent that he can't talk back to, almost yeah. Like, that he's just so desperate to please. Meanwhile, Abe, like, it was a little bit lower key, but I thought it was kind of funny that he, like, he can't admit that he also desperately wants Mihashi's attention, Well, yeah, and
1: that's the thing, is he's also afraid that that Mihashi hates him. So they're both, like, silently overthinking things and worrying that the other person doesn't like them
0: um you...
1: i i really like the scenes where abe is trying to figure out like wait what do you guys talk about with mahashi like how do you have conversation <laughs> <laughs> um, because like he just realizes he doesn't he, it's it's him noticing for the first time that people plenty of people have a better relationship with mahashi than he does and he's kind of jealous and he's confused as to why
0: Right, like, he's just, like, and it's, like, and it's true, too, because it's, like, you've never actually seen Mihashi and Abe actually just sit down and talk about something, and the fact that this is just such an alien concept to, not just Mihashi, but to Abe to realize that, he's, like, hey, so, uh, what did you eat for dinner last night? <laughs> and Mihashi's immediate response is, like, oh, god, he's gonna be mad because I lost the weight and he wants to know what I'm eating! Oh, no! Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of liked that. I, there was one other line I really liked from Hanai, Hanai who was, like, who's kind of on Abe's side a little bit. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of appreciate the fact that he was, like, it kind of highlight again, it kind of highlights how just strange of a personality Mihashi kind of has. Because he thinks back to, like, that final, like, matchup against, uh, like, against Tosei. And, like, you know, how he's calling it, it's like, hey, Mihashi, you know, we got your back, buddy. And, like, you know, when you're in that moment, you see it from Mihashi's perspective, and you understand what that means to him. Like, you know, you understand, it's like, Mihashi finally understands that there, he has a team that finally supports him, and, you know, that really gets to him. To Hanai, it's just like, I was just saying whatever, you know, I would say to anybody else in that position, you know? this is, I thought that's just sort of something you're supposed to say to your teammates, you know? Like, and he's just there taking it so, ir- like, so seriously, and it's like, God, I kind of understand why Abe is, gets so frustrated with him all the time. He doesn't act like a person.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that, oh. that was funny. I think I think he said, "Man, if I'd known him at junior high, I'd probably pick on him too."
0: <laughs> like, yeah, he's not really any. It's like, yeah, I get it. Like, a guy is very pick onable. Yeah,
1: yeah. There was a lot of good lines. I think it was a good. It was a good wrap up, and then uh, we moved on to episode twenty six right. of Big Wind-Up, which is something else entirely. <laughs> um really without any introduction or direct connection it's the story of musashino Daiichi, which if you remember back a ways uh was the, right. the team that Harana pitches for and Haruna is the the pitcher that used to be abe's pitcher um and he committed to only throwing 80 pitches per game um so this is sort of the story of their school although the main character is another pitcher on the team named Kagiyama, who used to be the ace of the team, but then Haruna came in and replaced him. And uh, the focus is on Kagiyama sort of spending some time with Haruna after practice, realizing how much work Haruna puts in, and then admitting that he kind of wants to quit the team. Um, but then Haruna sort of demonstrating exactly how he got to the place where he's at, the fact that Kagiyama is important to the team and uh, eventually convincing him that the only thing that's holding him back is a fear of failure and a fear of, like, trying too hard and embarrassing himself. And uh, that sort of culminates in the fact that they were able to win their first game in the tournament, which is actually shown in episode 25.
0: Right. And I think that's kind of what my, like, it was kind of always in the back of my mind. Like, I was always kind of wondering, it's like, okay, where is this, when is this actually taking place. Mm-hmm. And I think the ending is what makes it interesting, because it sh- because what this episode does is it shows... Like, it's sort of a subtle way that you can end the series on an interesting or satisfying note, because what it's doing is it's sort of, Like, this entire series has been about the first game of this one team, Nishiura, and like, everything that's gone to form it. The final episode completely takes us out of that. And it's an entirely different team. And when you... Ending on that, like... Basically them entering their first game... It sort of establishes... Every single team in this story... In this, like... In this tournament... They all have their own story. Mm-hmm. Effectively. Like... like It's not just Nishiyura's story. Like... Musashino has so much that's been making them... Like, you know... They have this whole dramatic backstory themselves, you know? They have this whole history. Everybody on their team has a history. Everybody has their own lives, their own backgrounds, and what kind of brought them to that point. It's it's not really one of those things that's, like, terribly original for a sports anime. Like, I, I you know, I've seen this in a lot of different stories, but I I, I think what I like about it is just how naturally... And, you know, that this is kind of brought into the story without actually, like, beating you over the head with it.
1: Yeah, and my, my assumption is that they they know where the source material is going with it. And right. that this is, they're being introduced because in the near future, Nishiro is probably going to play them. So you want a little more background on who these people are. You know, right. with as much time as we spent with Tose, we never really got to see where they came from. And I think that would have probably been helpful to see more of their personal background to understand what their motivations were, what, why why the characters acted the way they did. And so the fact that you get that with some of the core characters um, from Musashino Daiichi was cool. Um, I also just liked it, 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 even though it will probably tie into the second season. I I liked the story as a standalone um just right. of like how easy it is it, 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 for, for me it was basically a story of how easy it is to convince yourself that you are not capable of something because you're right. afraid of working hard and um you're afraid of like well if i work hard and i still fail then people will laugh at me or like that that'll be embarrassing like if i if i if i know if i'm not sure that i can be good at it why work hard? Because I'm just going to look like a fool. Um, and so that that was sort of interesting to see that logic challenged and addressed directly by someone who'd sort of been through that and come out the other side.
0: Right. Which is interesting, too, because you never really got that sense from Harna in the past. What do you mean? Like, well, just because, like, Harna always seemed like he was so overly confident. Yeah. Like, when he was, like, working... Like, You really kind of... Like, when you heard about it from Abe's perspective, you really got the sense that, you know, Haruna was just the sort of... He was so full of himself because he clearly had this natural talent. You know, and that's why he was limiting his pitch count. This episode also kind of humanized Haruna to me in a way. I mean, he was already pretty well humanized, but you kind of understood why he was so concerned about his pitch count now. Like... He's actually been, like, kind of abused, yeah, almost. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, and this is so great because it's sort of one of one of the trends that you and I monitor between sports shows is what does responsible practice look like? And he's a... Like, that's his whole character is, being, is demonstrating, hey, uh, we have some irresponsible practice habits in Japan. Um, and, I right. mean, this is equally true of the United States, but for them, they're focused on Japan. Um, where he is saying, Look, I have to take my performance into my own hands because I've had coaches who tried to take advantage of me and push me to the limit even when I was
0: hurting myself. Um, right, like, like, what really drove that home for me, too, is like the fact that, like, this coach even told me, like, he took him to his own, like, a personal friend who was a doctor, yeah, and basically told him what he, you know, like, basically, like. Almost like this conspiracy. Almost like, oh no, you're fine. See, look, I'll I'll take you to my to like this doctor I know, and he'll tell you that you're doing fine and that it's just growing pains. Like yeah. you'll be fine. And it's like, no, Harda ended up going to like a real doctor, and it was not like not he not that the guy wasn't a real doctor, but you know he goes to like a different doctor who's unassociated with the situation. He's like you have torn a ligament in your knee. Yeah. Like you need rest. Mm-hmm. And it's like the fact that the coach would even go that far to basically just completely mislead his own like his own athlete. Yeah. No, I
1: agree. It was it was good to see them built up. I am really excited to see them more in the next season. I think the last thing I want to say about this is I was kinda of, I was really not looking forward to this episode because the only thing I remembered about it, or misremembered about it from when I watched it years ago was in my, ma- in my brain, it was a story about Mihoshi. Um, I think maybe even when I was watching it, I probably didn't even follow what was going on well enough that I earnestly thought it was a story about Mihoshi. Right. Um, yeah. Because, I, I don't know, Musashino, Mihoshi, they could, I could see them blending together. And yeah. I, all I remember was like, oh, yeah, that was weird and disconnected and disappointing. But now <laughs> when I watch it, I'm like, oh, what a great standalone story. What a great setup. Like, it, it was really earnestly fun to watch on its own.
0: Right, and because it's kind of funny, too, because I had the same... I had kind of the same reaction. I kind of thought it was Mihoshi, because I remember we were talking before, and we were like, yeah, the last story's about Mihoshi, whatever, and I was like, cool, yeah, yeah, sure. I was like, I didn't even remember what team it was about. Like, Mm -hmm. I just remember, it's like, oh, it's about this entirely unrelated team that I think we got introduced to, but... Like, yeah, so yeah, it was kind of neat to see, like, kind of have that, it's like, oh, it's about Musashino, great, we're getting more information about Haruna now, awesome.
1: Exactly, and to understand, because as, when we were watching it as kids, I don't think we could understand why it would do this, you know, I think we we resented the fact of, like, we don't care, I want (laughs) to see more Tajima, he's funny, Um, so we couldn't possibly understand any justification for showcasing another team. And right. that, I think that frustrated us and it threw us off.
0: So, uh, it is also interesting, though, that we are more willing to, like, invest ourselves into this episode. Because we are watching this now with the knowledge that there is season two.
1: I think that's true, too. Because it is a weird way to end a show.
0: Right. Like, it's kind of a strange place to leave it off at if you don't already know that there's more coming. Yeah, so that's true.
1: Well, cool. well, speaking of which, there uh, will be more coming next week because we're going to start Big Wind-Up Season 2 along with, hopefully, some other stuff. But uh, <laughs> until then, Matt, thanks for coming. Thank
0: you. Our logo design is by James Radcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshian Cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.